you are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On NFL, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski. I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast network on Twitter at Locked On NFL Pods. And we are here on Monday to bring you another NFL show on Monday where we bring you the biggest stories and local experts And of course, today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports, parents fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've entered another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Week 12, nearly in the books. Seahawks, Eagles coming up tonight to cap off a wild, weird, unprecedented week of football that saw the San Francisco 49ers have to search for a new place to practice and play. The Denver Broncos lost all of their quarterbacks to the COVID list and had to start a receiver who played quarterback in college. And coincidentally, they played a team who has really a tight end playing quarterback right now. And then all of this is done over the backdrop of a ridiculous COVID situation going on with Baltimore and Pittsburgh. That game slated to be played on Tuesday. We think that's going to happen. We're not entirely sure that's going to happen. Also, the the Cleveland Browns. I don't know if you guys knew this. They have one of the best records in the league right now. They win an ugly game with the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Packers demolish the Chicago Bears 41-25. Atlanta beats down the Raiders 43-6. And the Vikings come back to beat the Carolina Panthers 28-27 to keep themselves in the NFC playoff race For me, the biggest story of Week 12 was the Kansas City Chiefs. And and more precisely, can anyone beat the Kansas City Chiefs? We thought we would get an answer that goes a long way in deciding that with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the Chiefs on Sunday. And frankly, for most of the game, it didn't look like anyone could stop the Kansas City Chiefs. Joining me now, Chris Clark from Locked On Chiefs and Chris This was a game where it felt like, you know, 27-24 is the final. But to me, you know, the 14 points in the fourth, it it seems like, you know, the last few weeks this has been the case where the only team that can beat the Chiefs is the Chiefs. They just get a little bored. And then when they need to make the plays, they make the plays. Yeah, and obviously that is a huge concern for Chiefs fans and for Chiefs Kingdom. Uh, They cannot continue to be in these types of games and let teams come back. Uh, they need to be able to put the, you know, put their foot on the other team's throat and finish the games out. Uh, they had multiple opportunities in this game and just kind of missed a, a couple of different ones. And then some holding penalties really hurt him as well. It, it seems like champagne problems to a lot of the league when you have 462 <laughs> yards and three touchdowns from your quarterback, Tyreek Hill, 13 catches for 269 and three touchdowns against what looked like the best defense in football for a lot of the season. And yet that's where we are with the Chiefs. When you look around the league, 
Is there a team that you think matches up well with Kansas City? Because outside of the Raiders, maybe, and I had Ryan Tracy on the show last week talking about maybe it's the Raiders that, that I don't I don't know if there is another team that can match up with them. You know, honestly, I think that the big key for having a chance to beat Kansas City is to be able to get Patrick on the ground. Uh, unfortunately for most teams in the NFL and, and thankfully for most Chiefs fans, uh, that's very hard to do. He is yeah. so good at moving around in the pocket and giving himself time and space to make the throws he needs to make and, and continue to make uh, to keep the chains moving that it's going to be very hard. The biggest thing that defenses have to be able to do is they have to be able to get pressure with three or four. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And if they can do that, then that's a three is even better. A big yeah, three <laughs> is even better. But if they can do that, that's you know the key there. Uh, if they can't do that, then they're going to have to blitz. And Mahomes is deadly against a blitz, so you really don't want to do that against him. Yeah. I know this is picking nits a little bit, but any any concern level when you know Tampa in in, in the second half and especially later in the game, uh, Tony Romo pointed it out. Uh, the Buccaneers basically allocated all of their resources to saying Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, you will not beat us, and that was when Tampa Bay started to get some stops. The, do do the Chiefs have the the sufficient answers, and and is it just going to be like what we saw at the end of the game, where it's just hey Patrick, go make a play and, and trust that. He's the MVP. He's going to do that. To be fair, uh, Patrick Mahomes missed McCall Hardman on a touchdown that would have been almost oh, yeah. 90 yards. So, yeah, 89-yard walk-in <laughs> touchdown. Yeah, I mean, he could have <laughs> with With Hardman speed, he would have walked in. Yeah. Uh, so, Maybe backward. Yeah, and that just, I mean, Andy Reid drew it up. It was a perfect play call, and Mahomes missed the play, or missed the, the throw by, you know, a couple yards. He led him to the opposite shoulder, and, you know, I'm not saying Hardman shouldn't have caught the ball, but it made it a very hard catch where if he leads him, um, McColl's walking into the end zone. Yeah, uh, I do. It's think not a that, drop. I didn't think it was a drop. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so either. I think it was going away from him. Uh, and you look at the rest of it. Sammy Watkins is coming back from an injury. I think that that really uh, is something that's, you know, give him another game or two. And I think he'll be in a position where he can be more effective. And I think that he and Patrick will get more on a timing situation. Uh, but really, that's that's the big key right now. If you can take away Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, then you have a chance to slow them down. But Kansas City usually finds a way to win, whether it's Clyde Edwards-Solaire, whether it's Michael Hardman, Sammy Watkins, uh, Le'Veon Bell. There's a bunch of different playmakers on this offense other than just Tyreek or Kelsey. Yeah, it turns out Andy Reid, really good still. Um, <laughs> this was an interesting contrast of styles for me because the, the Chiefs, they do everything to make life easy for their offense. And Tampa Bay does the opposite. It seems like mm-hmm. they need everything to be perfect. No motion, uh, no disguise, uh, no play action. And it really is a, a good reminder that it's not just having good players, which both teams did. This was this was, you know, the the, the best schemed offense in the league in, in the Chiefs. And it does seem like that's going to be something that they can hang their hat on defensively. Did you see anything that you liked or didn't like that that can project forward here as we as we get into December and January? Well, I think for the key for Kansas City on defense is they need to find a way to get after the quarterback and they need to get pressure yeah. on the quarterback. Uh, that's something without that, blitzing. Yeah, without blitzing, and they just haven't. Uh, you know, Frank Clark and Chris Jones uh, are getting double and triple teamed sometimes, and the rest of the guys just aren't winning. And even when Clark and Jones aren't being double teamed, they're not winning uh, enough at this point. So you have to figure something out to where you can do that. Uh, you know, you saw midway through, I think, of the second quarter, Tom Brady figured out a blitz was coming and that Okafor was dropping into coverage against Gronkowski. And he made Kansas City pay. 
and it really hurt. It was a long yeah. 30 yard completion to Gronkowski down the middle. Uh, and you, you just can't have that. You know, players like Tom Brady are going to find weaknesses like that. Uh, I think the bigger concern for Kansas City, though, is their safety play. I think, you know, Juan Thornhill is hurt. Uh, or at least still trying to come back from his injury. And I think that's really hurting them because he usually plays the back end of the defense and gives you a lot of speed back there. And they just right. don't have that guy that can really step in and take his place uh, and play at the back end of the defense like he can. Yeah, circling back to my original question, I still think the answer is no. No one can stop the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> and then that's where we are here 12 weeks through the season. Chris, thanks, man. Thank you. Before we move on, let's talk about our friends at Echelon. When it comes to getting in shape or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as the feeling of accomplishment, of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. Echelon can get you there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their all-new Echelon Stride Smart Treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of your home. Their world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes always available when you need them. Unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone and one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Right now, you can try Echelon Fitness Equipment at home for 30 days. Just go to echelonfit.com, code NFL. That's echelonfit.com. You can even go to echelonfit.com slash NFL. Echelon brings you connected fitness at an affordable price. And just a reminder, Ross Jackson and Luke Braun on tomorrow's show to break down everything that we see with Seahawks, Eagles, and the rare Monday preview show. Look ahead to Baltimore and the Steelers. Hopefully that game gets to happen and we can get back on track here for week 13. In a season of bizarre situations, this is possibly the most bizarre situation coming in on Sunday. The Denver Broncos had to play Kendall Hinton, a former college quarterback turned receiver in the NFL, because they didn't have enough eligible quarterbacks to field a team. Cody Rourke joining me now from Locked on Broncos. And Cody, the 31-3 loss to the Saints feels a little bit like an afterthought because of all of the circumstances that brought us to this moment. So can you just give me a little bit of the TikTok here of how we got to this point where the Broncos are having to field basically, you know, a, a, a non-NFL quarterback and a non-quarterback at quarterback on Sunday. Yeah, well, I'll take you all the way back to Wednesday. Wednesday, Broncos third-string quarterback Jeff Driscoll tested positive for COVID-19. The NFL at that point, the Broncos, they went through contact tracing to see if there was any high-risk close contacts. And it, it was ruled by the NFL that there were not any close contacts. So the NFL gave the Broncos clearance to practice on Thursday they did that. Friday comes around, and then the Broncos have a wide receiver, Deontay Spencer. He tests positive for COVID-19. So the Broncos, they still receive clearance from the NFL to practice on Friday, but the Broncos, for precautionary measures, decided not to hold practice and would then hold a practice on Saturday. Now, at this point, the quarterback discussion, I mean, there was nothing even up in question for Denver at this point. And then Saturday, 15 minutes before practice even begins, the NFL notifies the Broncos that they have to send all of those quarterbacks home. And I'm talking about Drew Locke, Brett Rippon, Blake Bortles, who's on the practice squad. 
They have to send them home as the NFL goes through and reviews the the findings that they've had there in terms of contact tracing. They deem that the Broncos well, were in close contact. I mean, the quarterbacks were in close contact with Jeff Driscoll on Wednesday, so they needed to isolate. But Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, Drew Locke and the Broncos quarterbacks, they all tested negative. They didn't have any positive tests. And so at that point, we found out on Saturday evening, the NFL ruled that all quarterbacks would be ineligible for Sunday's contest. And and here we are. I mean, we saw literally what you just talked about, a guy who has not played quarterback since 2018 in college. Wasn't really yeah. that guy. He transitioned to wide receiver. He was an undrafted rookie free agent who was just had, a, you know, last month a sales job before being called up onto the Broncos <laughs> practice squad. I mean, this is what we saw. And as you can see, I mean, we all know the result of the game. It was very, very ugly. I mean, it was it was hard to watch uh, for, for any side of it. I mean, there was no reason to be excited at all. Yeah, and, and if you're a, a Saints fan, you know, maybe if you're Ross Jackson, you you enjoyed it for the, you know just the sheer morbid curiosity of it. The the thirty one three score, you know, even even that was a little misleading because it was just one of those games that never felt like there there was anything going on here. I want to I want to tee it up though in a in a broader sense here because we're also dealing with this Steelers Ravens situation where. You know, we're approaching half the the Ravens active roster and their coaching staff is testing positive or is on the 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 COVID-19 reserve list. It seems like there's just no consistency with how this is being handled. I got a note from a Packers player this week that said, I can't like, how did we play the 49ers when on a Wednesday they have a positive test and close context? It just seems like the NFL is is not just doing this case by case, but just sort of however they feel like in the moment. Yeah, that's how it exactly feels, Peter. And here's the deal for me. Here's the way that I view it. I just feel like every single week since the start of the season, we have been given a new rule or a new exception to COVID protocols within the National Football League. And I want to go back to some history here. Week five for the Denver Broncos, Cam Newton, Stephon Gilmore, they tested positive for COVID-19. The Broncos, they prepared all week long because the NFL had said, look, the game is still on. And then Saturday rolls around, the NFL decides, yep. look, we are postponing the game another week. So Denver, and they tell the, they told the Broncos, week five was your bye week, but the Broncos practiced. So Denver didn't get in a bye week at all this season because of that. And they had to go through and, and they accepted it. I mean, they didn't complain. They, you know, they're like, all right, look, we're going to go through and do this. So for the NFL to make this happen, I think is just, there. like you mentioned, there are so inconsistencies too, especially with the Thursday night game, the Steelers and the Ravens. You mentioned at that that point, uh, before that Thursday game, there weren't as many players who tested positive as there is currently today. I mean, the number has increased for Baltimore, understandably so, but we're seeing these guys be pushed back to later dates. I, I don't think it would hurt the NFL at any point in time to move this game to Tuesday, the Broncos and the Saints. But as you mentioned, I mean, you've experienced this being on the Packers side of things, covering them on lockdown Packers, is that the NFL has decided they've picked and choose how they want to flex things out for various teams. And, and like I said, I can't imagine this happening if it were Patrick Mahomes in the same situation or Tom Brady in the same situation for them right. if they were in there. Now, I do want to provide some clarity to the situation. The Broncos, they sent in the film review, the tape from inside the Broncos practice facility inside the quarterback position room and the Broncos quarterbacks they followed the protocols they were in there they were socially distanced they were wearing masks and the only time that the masks ever came down is when they were apart from each other and they were communicating they pulled the mask down for a moment as you can see on the film they would communicate there and they were also eating so they pulled the mask up or down to be able to eat and then the mask would go back on but apparently the NFL was coming down hard on the Broncos for doing that, despite the fact that the quarterbacks were socially distanced 
and they were adhering for the most part to the mask rules. So I, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like there's just so much inconsistency. And I, I really wonder at this point in time, I mean, are we going to see the NFL season play out fully with how things are right now? Is there going to be any type of stoppage? This is a question that I have. And I think it's one that the league is is grappling with. Uh, that's good uh, inside info there on on what was going on inside the Broncos facility. From from your perspective, covering the Broncos, let's say the NFL goes to a Week 18 and and Ravens Steelers gets pushed to Week 18, and, and that could have been an outcome that Broncos Saints had in a situation like this. Even if that is the right decision, that has to feel like a little bit. Of a, a of a slap in the face to the Broncos, who are going to say, "Look, this this could have been done for us, and, and ultimately wasn't, and it cost us a game that that we needed to win." Yeah, I mean that's that's a whole situation there. I mean, and, and think about it too. There's a ripple effect, Peter. I think that just goes beyond just the scheduling output. Think about that week 18, for example. I mean, at, at this point in time, I think in terms of how the NFL is at, if they flex to a week 18, there could be an additional eighth spot in the AFC and the NFC for playoffs. I, I do imagine that Baltimore Pittsburgh are going to be two teams that represent in the playoffs regardless. But imagine an, a, an injury happens in Week 18 that doesn't happen in Week 17, and all of a sudden it derails everything. I think this is a big issue that we may see. And I also wonder, too, at the same time, I, mean, I, I hate to spend so much time here on the Broncos, but, for example, in the Broncos-Saints game, they had to run the ball so much because they couldn't even get into a pass set. Phillip Lindsay ended up leaving that game with a knee injury. And so it's, I don't know. Right. Does that happen if they have to lean so heavily on him? Correct. Yes. So, I mean, I, I feel like that's a dilemma the NFL is going to run into. I, I wish that, that you know, we, we haven't had you on multiple times this season to talk about COVID-19, but unfortunately that's just been the kind of season that we've had. Luckily, uh, you have a couple different platforms, including Locked On NFL, where you get to, 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 give your side of things so cody i always appreciate having you on man i appreciate you peter man it's been a rough sunday i think just in <laughs> nfl in general hopefully we can all return to some normalcy at some point god willing thanks cody seemingly the only early game on the slate pitted afc south rivals the tennessee titans took care of the indianapolis colts 45 to 26 in a game that was seemingly over at halftime, Derrick Henry finished with the hat trick, three touchdowns, almost 180 yards on the ground. Tyler Rowland from Locked on Titans joining me now. And Ty, this was a, a game that I, I think the Titans needed in a lot of ways after uh, the collapse against the Colts a few weeks ago. What did you see that you liked from this Titans team on Sunday, aside from the obvious that Derrick Henry is just everyone's daddy? Yeah, I mean, obviously his performance, he just continues his late season domination of the NFL. It's going on three seasons now, and he's getting what we like to call around Tennessee, D. Henber, started a little <laughs> bit early. But uh, outside of Derrick Henry's performance, like you said, the Titans really needed to rebound mentally from that dismantling against the Colts uh, just two weeks ago. Yeah. So this is a, a big mental win for them. Uh withstanding the obvious implications that are there for the playoffs and the seeding and the division now. So that that obvious stuff, you know, withstanding the Titans needed this mentally. But the big thing that stood out was the Titans got things going again in special teams. Uh, they started to be a good special teams unit once again instead of a poor one getting all pro punter Brett Kern back in the fold and then some other schematic things they did on special teams, some personnel things. And then the defense 
really came to play in this game. It's ever since that trade for Desmond King, the Titans put in uh, Breon Borders at quarterback. Cornerback, he got an interception today. He's been absolutely phenomenal since the Titans put him into the lineup. So since the Titans kind of made some defensive changes, they have been just so much better especially on third downs. They were 5 of 13 on third downs against the Colts in this game, holding the Colts' offense to 38% conversion status on third down. So those changes on defense, the improvements on defense, are really where you have to be excited as a, as a Titans fan. Yeah, and and you know you you mentioned the getting your punter back, and that may seem like a small thing, but if you think back to that Thursday night matchup a few weeks ago, uh, the the Titans gave up essentially fourteen points uh, in the in the punting game, including a blocked yeah. punt that was returned for a touchdown. You mentioned the defense, and and as good as Derrick Henry was, the Titans' run defense on the other side was just as good. Fifty six yards total on the ground for the Colts. In 21 carries under three yards, an attempt. They held guys like Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, and Mo Ali Cox under wraps in the passing game. Uh, what was the difference in your mind uh, from from that first matchup, and really from a lot of the season when when the Titans' defense has been the weak point of this squad? Well, I mean, honestly, early on, in my opinion, the Titans' defensive issues were personnel-related. They had Jonathan Joseph out there. Vic Beasley was giving them nothing, and they were trying to give opportunities to guys who earned them early on or guys at least that they expected to play a big role. But like I mentioned, they made some personnel changes. They cut Beasley. They cut Joseph. They got in some new life, some younger players, gave them an opportunity, and things have turned around. But the Titans are just very stout up front on their defensive line. And in this game, they controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, but particularly on the defense. Jeffrey Simmons, if you don't know about Jeffrey Simmons as a listener to this show, Jeffrey Simmons is one of the top five interior defensive linemen in the NFL this year. A complete steal by John Robinson to get him coming off a tumultuous offseason before the draft in 2019. Um, also, Daquan Jones at nose tackle, Harold Landry at outside linebacker. They just played really well against this good Colts offensive line. And you got Frank Reich in the press conference answering questions from reporters about why all-pro guard Quentin Nelson has been missing some blocks in recent weeks and having some struggles. Well, it might have to do with playing Jeffrey Simmons two out of the last three weeks. So the Titans up front, combined with the personnel changes in the back end and the secondary, has just kind of changed the way the defense can play. I don't want to act like they're a good defense now, but if they can just be league average and, and hover around the league average at defense, it'll allow the Titans' dynamic offense to win them ball games. Yeah, you play Jeffrey Simmons and Kenny Clark in in three straight weeks. You're going to miss mm. some blocks. I mean, that's it's sometimes it, it, that's just how the NFL works. Mm. Uh, I want to finish up on this as we're uh, wrapping up here. Uh, Corey Davis had three catches for 70 yards. He has been someone who I think to this point in his Titans career is considered a disappointment. Is he someone you think could be a little bit of a wild card as the Titans look at at, at the playoffs? In the, in the really near term, you have A.J. Brown, you have Derrick Henry, but if you can get that other guy along with, you know, a Jonu Smith, all of a sudden this offense would have the kind of weapons where you feel like, okay, if we have these guys going, we can score against some of these top teams in the AFC. 
Yeah, here's what it comes down to. A.J. Brown is the Titans' big-time playmaker at wide receiver. They have Derrick Henry in the backfield. Everyone knows about those two guys. Corey Davis has been a disappointment in terms of a number 5 overall pick in the first round, but he's settled into his role, and, and the I guess the negative feelings that go along with having a number 5 overall pick not live up to expectations are kind of tampered down by the fact that A.J. Brown is from a 51st overall pick turn into what you wanted from Corey Davis. So it, it, if you flip their draft position and made Corey Davis the second rounder and A.J. Brown the first, you feel fine about it. But the thing is, Corey Davis is, I would call him a league average starter at wide receiver. The Titans get him open through scheme. He's not going to beat you one-on-one -on -one in man coverage and create a ton of separation, but he's good with the ball in his hands. He's physical at the catch point. And if you scheme him open and give him space, he's not as dynamic as A.J. Brown, but he can get down the field and still do a little bit of damage after the catch. So I would say that Corey Davis, while not being an absolute stud or a number five overall pick superstar with a compliment like A.J. Brown, who is that guy, it's just a perfect role for Corey Davis in the NFL. And he's shining having that secondary role with not having all the attention on him all the time and playing in an offense that's going to take advantage of his skill set and put him in a position to succeed. So a lot of the credit goes to Arthur Smith, Titans offensive coordinator, but Corey Davis has been able to stay healthy this year, and that's why we're seeing a, a pretty solid year in production in terms of the numbers he's putting up. But with A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry, he can be a perfect complement to those you know, playmakers and those game breakers for the Titans. Yeah, and it, it might be Tennessee's last year with Arthur Smith as he's going to be a, a hot commodity in what will be Unfortunately, yes. a, a huge offseason of, of coaching vacancies. And frankly, it might not matter because the Kansas City Chiefs may just be that much better than everyone else. But the, the Titans are, are starting to look like and certainly look like on Sunday uh, a team that that can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with just about anyone. Ty, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, not a problem. Thank you for having me on, Peter. And I uh, look forward to maybe talking to you later on in the season if the Titans continue on this role and, and hopefully have themselves a home playoff game for the first time in a long time. All right, before we finish up, let's talk about our friends at Built Bar, my favorite. Built Bar brings you 18 amazing flavors of the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie, salted caramel, coconut, if you're into that, I am, not everyone is, toffee almond, mint brownie. There's something for everyone. They're great for someone who wants to indulge. They're great for someone who wants to be health conscious. Why? Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, but Peter, those things usually taste like trash. Yes, they do. But Built Bar is different. This is, I'm telling you, the best tasting protein bar on the market. And I have tried them all. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. On a weekend with some weird headlines, some straight up bad football, and a storyline involving one of these two teams that is also beyond bizarre when it comes to COVID restrictions and having a place to play this football game. The San Francisco 49ers upset the Los Angeles Rams in what was a compelling football game. Uh, I wouldn't say it was a well-played football game, but they did get the 23-20 win over the Rams. Joining me now, Brian Peacock from Locked On 49ers and Peacock and Williamson. And Brian, looking at this box score, at least offensively, I have no idea how the 49ers managed 23 points and won this game outside of Debo Samuel. 
And yet in some ways it felt like the quintessential Shanahan win, totally down and undermanned in a, in a game that you really needed in a big spot. And, and they went out and, and found a way to win. What impressed you about what you saw from San Francisco on Sunday? Yeah, you mentioned Debo Samuel. That was one of the huge factors in this game, getting him back. And he was so, I mean, he, he was a massive part of the first win. The 49ers, you know, they swept the Rams. And they, the Rams are the only over 500 team the 49ers have beaten this year, and they've beaten them twice. And the Rams really have their number, particularly Sol, uh, Robert Sala has McVay and Goff's number. But getting Debo back from injury was important because the first time these teams played was uh, the game where they brought Jimmy Garoppolo back from his high ankle sprain, and we all know that was probably too soon. He was still hurting, but they had the the basically complete gadgety zero air yard offense going, and Debo Samuel was a huge part of that and taking handoffs and taking shovel passes that counted as passing yards, even though everything was happening behind the line of scrimmage. And that's how this game started here, although they started to uh, extend things a little bit beyond the line of scrimmage, and he made some big catches on slants and making tons of plays after the catch as well. So Debo Samuel, getting him back from injury was massive in this game, was a huge part of being able to uh, mask some of the other deficiencies on offense. And it was pretty clear the Rams wanted to sell out and stop the run. And they started to do a pretty good job of that in the second half. So uh, Debo Samuel was massive. But like I mentioned, the defensive side of the ball was huge in this game because one of the scores from the Rams was a defensive touchdown. And then yep. there was one bad angle on a Cam Akers tackle attempt from free safety Tarvarius Moore that led to one of their other scores. So, I mean, aside from essentially two plays, Robert Sala's team allowed what six points of offense from the Rams. So he, he does such a good job against McVay. He really has their number. And, you know, we, we might be talking about the future head coach of the Detroit Lions and Robert Sala at this point. I was just I was just floating that to a media friend of mine the other day. I, I want to talk about this team as a potential playoff contender in a second. But I mentioned this uh, not having a home thing. The, the 49ers right now are in search of a home arena, a home place to practice because of new restrictions uh, in the county. When the 49ers take on the Buffalo Bills in a week, where is that game going to be? It sounds as if right now Arizona is the leading candidate to host that game. There's been idea floated that they could go play in Oakland. They could play in maybe San Diego. Those are two vacant stadiums right now. But it looks like Arizona is the leading candidate to host the 49ers for some games right now. They might have to go practice uh, at, you know, at Sierra College, where they used to practice back in the day in Rockland, California, near Sacramento. They used to have training camp there. Uh, they could go to Napa, where the Raiders used to have training camps. So they've got to find some facilities. And there was talk amongst the beat writers in this game late when it was 2020 until the last four seconds of the game. The 49ers almost couldn't afford for this game to go into overtime because they had to get back to Santa Clara County, fly from L.A. to their facility before quarantine hits at midnight. And if they wouldn't have gotten back by midnight, that would have been a, a whole new set of problems for the 49ers as that county in Santa Clara gets locked down. So they're going to be practicing somewhere else and playing somewhere else for at least the next three weeks. That is pretty wild, but it is the it is the world we live in right now. And and I don't have to tell most of the people listening probably who had to make alternative plans for Thanksgiving or, or had to make no plans for Thanksgiving. So obviously this is something that is affecting everyone, not just the football team uh, in, in San Francisco. 
As you look at the the rest of this schedule, there are some winnable games for the 49ers, but certainly some tough matchups. They play Buffalo, they play at Arizona, and they finish the season with Seattle. In between, they have Washington and at Dallas. Did this game for you change anything about how you see this team as a potential playoff team? And are we maybe not talking enough about, hey, if this team gets Jimmy Garoppolo back, this defense starts to get rolling the way that they are, they could really be dangerous here in an NFC that looks wide freaking open yeah and i think it was key when we saw because earlier this week there was nine players on the covid reserve list for the 49ers and they got back some pretty important pieces namely they got back their rookie first round defensive tackle in javon kinlaw who scored a touchdown in this game although it was uh kevin givens another defensive tackle that actually made the play and caused the errant pass that javon kinlaw caught and took to the house but trent williams came off that list in time to play eric armstead came off that list in time to play they got raheem mostert and jeff wilson back those were two main running backs that carried the ball for the 49ers in this game uh, richard sherman they got back who was their leading tackler and was lined up in a few different spots. They actually showed him as a a single high safety look at one point. And there's been Uh talk that maybe that's the future for Richard Sherman, potentially a safety for either the 49ers or another team. If he wants to continue his career. And he said he has that he wants to play another three years. And uh, obviously Debo Samuel that I mentioned there uh, coming back and helping out the 49ers. So they did get a lot of talent back on the field. And this is a pretty good football team. As you know, as the, the folks know that watch the football a season in 2019 in the NFL and watch the 49ers narrowly get defeated in the Super Bowl. It's a really good football team. They're not going to get Nick Bosa back, but they could potentially get Jimmy Garoppolo. And maybe if it comes down to the wire and they are actually still in this thing the last couple of weeks, maybe even George Kittle uh, next game against the Buffalo Bills will be five weeks since Jimmy Garoppolo's injury. And it was supposed to be a four to six week prognosis for him mm. so there's potential for him to be back at some point soon at least for a stretch run if the 49ers win but i think the biggest takeaway with this game wasn't that maybe the 49ers are uh, going to go on a crazy run but they their season wasn't completely closed off like that playoffs are still a possibility they had to beat the rams and they're still gonna have to beat some other good football teams if they want to make the playoffs but they they need some help and they have to win probably all but at least one of their games the rest of the way to even have a shot You know who doesn't want to see the 49ers in the playoffs? Packer fans, Brian. I'm telling you, they (laughs) do not want to see Robert Sala and Kyle Shanahan in the playoffs. And I'm sure there are plenty of teams in the NFC. Certainly the Rams. Rams The Rams are probably chief among them. Do not want to see them in the playoffs either. Thanks, Brian. You bet. Anytime, Peter. All right. Luke Braun and Ross Jackson on the program tomorrow to break down Seahawks, Eagles, to look forward to Ravens, Steelers, And week 13, we are getting down to it. The real business of the NFL and the playoffs is coming at you. So make sure you are following along. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast network at Locked on NFL Pods. Go subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on NFL. Until tomorrow and until next week, stay Locked on NFL.